So this is the uh, second video of our Q&A on courts and councils. Uh, we're on number six. Um, here are the questions. This is controversial. I don't think it's time to share it yet. And uh, that's a fair one. <laughs> it, uh, it can be controversial. Most new things are. And we're not requiring people to sort of accept this or adopt it or, you know, just jump right in. Uh, we're inviting those who are ready and loving those who aren't. For myself, I felt the Lord's permission or even instruction to write seers and doers and to help kings navigate uh, with the, the priestly side of their ministry. So like other new spiritual experiences, pastors will have to decide themselves what's appropriate for their church. So that's the pastor's job. I'm just saying, I'm in this with both feet and I believe it's very relevant to, for people in the other six mountains who are ready to use it to um, you know, make their own ministry and their own mountain work. Um, we're not trying to project this on other people or churches or theologies or anything else. So like, um, the, the, um, so it probably you know, won't be easy. This is gonna be a little messy for a while, but it will be worth it in the long run. And for me, the courts and trading floors and council are tools we need practically to make kingdom progress in our own mountains and to disciple nations. So we're using this not only for individuals, we're using it for businesses, for cities, and for nations. It's a powerful, powerful tool. It's not an end in itself, it's a tool. The end is discipling nations and building the kingdom, okay? Number seven, is this just something for intercessors or seers? I can't see the whole church embracing this. Well, that's a, that's a point. <laughs> so we all share the opportunity or the invitation and challenge to appear in heaven for our priestly role. And it's true that believers uh, will have more mat mature people or fivefold ministries to do this stuff for them or help them. But eventually we should all be equipped ourselves and we shouldn't expect someone else to do it for us. So those called to the non-church mountains especially need to practically navigate their priestly function and watch out the fullness of their heart and their book. And hiring intercessors, for example, to do that stuff for us is just a stopgap. That's not the answer. The answer is I need to appear in heaven and see what's in my book, uh, take what is already bound and already loosed in heaven and bring it to earth and, and make it manifest. Number eight, <clears throat> many of the visitors Visions, excuse me, people uh, preached are mutually contradictory regarding what heaven looks like. Everyone has his own version of courts and councils. There's not a consistent approach. And there are some differences and some similarities. Uh, keep in mind the visions that seers get are not doctrinal statements <laughs> about the physical appearance of heaven. Okay, it's a message from the Father that's meant to be understood and applied in our lives. So it's, we're not just seeing stuff so we can preach it to others. We're seeing stuff, stuff so I can make um, my life work and my ministry work and my mountain. So there is some confusion on, on this point. And um, so, you know, take what the, the vision that you have and discern it, what you hear from others, discern that, and, and realize that the message isn't, you know, the the doctrinal explanation of what heaven is supposed to look like, it's a vision. It has a message. So when Peter saw the four sheets coming down with the animals, it, 
We're not going to see four sheets with animals in heaven. That was a vision for Peter at one point in time that had a specific message. And the message was, take this gospel to the Gentiles. That was the message, uh, not sheets in heaven. Um, number 10, council is about the council. Why do I have to go there? I'm already seated in heavenly places. And the answer is, for most people, for me, for example, seated in heavenly places was a metaphoric intellectual term for our authority in Christ, as opposed to an experience in heaven through a seer gifting. In other words, I had no concept that I should really go there. <laughs> it was just, you know, you have authority, you're seated with Christ. And uh, it was an intellectual thing. This is not intellectual. This is going there and seeing stuff. Um, 11 is about seers. Um, this feels like it's just all my imagination. I want the real thing. I am not going to limit it with my own imagination. Shouldn't I wait for God to come to me instead of going up to heaven and finding him and, uh, and taking initiative with my imagination? So the answer, the seer gift does start with our imagination, but just like the prophetic, the Holy Spirit can guide it and, and what is seen is, is pretty easy to judge uh, by the content and by the fruits. No harder to judge than prophecy. So don't worry, you can't fake it until you make it. <laughs> and, and when you taste the real thing, you'll know it, okay? 33 times I went to heaven, all 33 tears were coming down my own cheeks over what I saw. But we do have to start with our imagination. The enemy will always say, it's just your imagination. You're just making all this stuff up. Uh, but said another way, if you're unwilling to use your imagination, you probably won't get in touch with your own seer gift. So using your imagination and ascending to heaven uh, to the courts and council also implies a certain assertiveness uh, that the Lord actually loves. The Bible calls it hunger. And we often carry a bias that visions and dreams are sort of imposed on us sovereignly at God's initiative. I mean, they just happen to us. We have no explanation for them. Well, that can happen, but my experience is that those who search for him um, diligently, they try often and hard and they're persistent, <laughs> find him, <laughs> Hebrews 11:6. So I was pleasantly surprised how easy it is once I had some practice with Beverly, that was the first thing. Two, I was uh, con confident in my theology, um, and, and I'm, I'm referencing seers and doers on that front. And three, I grasped the practical approach of just starting with my own imagination. It's like kickstarting uh, the engine to get going. And uh, so number 12 is about seers again. Why are things people see and hear all about the beautiful dreams of their poten great potential? Uh, it feels like we're buttering them up. <laughs> Why doesn't the council give them cures to diseases or bring back to bring back or answers to world issues, uh, practical stuff. Um, this all seems kind of revelatory. So th this is a great question. <laughs> Many of the testimonies being preached and examples of results do seem kind of trivial or irrelevant to any strategic kingdom you know, sense. Uh, so like prophecies, seers start small and, and work up. And it's with maturity that we sort of move from sort of the revelation realm to manifestations and miracles in the, in the natural realm. Um, so it's okay to start with revelation, nothing wrong with that. But the, the promise is clearly that we make a difference and learn how to disciple nations. 
So we are binding and loosing what we see bound and loosed already in heaven. It's our assignment to make this practical for life, business, kingdom, and nations. So moving from hearers only to hearers and seers has been a huge shift in my own life. I am really excited about this, and I think when you taste it, you'll be too. So the hard answer to that question is, um, if I'm in need of a miracle or some level of desperation for things as practical as finances or wealth, in other words, a revelation is not, I need more than a revelation, <laughs> okay? It's uh, frustrating to feel unheard by God. It feels like rejection. and. Uh, but the best cure for that is to boldly come before a loving father uh, in a council and, and get that strategy in person. Uh, so I'm putting my eggs in that basket instead of waiting patiently while nothing happens and hoping for the best. <laughs> I'm going to heaven and I'm knocking on the door. <laughs> and you know what? The door opens and the father's there and uh, along with the son and the Holy Spirit and you know, lots of other things. It's wonderful. Um, so... <clears throat> Our kingly side is bold and entrepreneurial. We can manage cash flow, run businesses, all that. And our priestly side is equally assertive in the kingdom of heaven. And uh, Matthew 11:12 12 says, Forceful men lay hold of the kingdom of heaven and advance it. <laughs> 13. Why does God have to make everything so complicated, so hard to enter into all this stuff? The complication eliminates most people from ever obtaining it. Does that seem like the heart of God? I thought he said, you know, we come to him like little children. Uh, well, we do. That's, that's a great question. Uh, it can seem difficult, and it really is impossible without help from the Holy Spirit. But it's not really more complicated than learning, doing uh, anything else in the spiritual realm. We all struggle to learn how to kick, kick uh, sinful habits or tendencies. Yet there's a level of maturity that we reach where... You know, overcoming the flesh isn't all that hard. You know, it's not a, you know, a problem forever. Jesus dealt with iniquity at the cross, so it should be all finished and easy. But the fact is, it's not all that easy for, you know, in the early phases of our Christian walk. And we all have to walk it out in, in a real life and in practice. And we do. So God can do this stuff. So I'm, I'm not particularly adept at being a seer, nor am I predispositioned that way. I'm an engineer and a cowboy from Montana, <laughs> and I have a bias against mysticism, frankly. Yet I was surprised how easy it, it was and how it enriched my devotions, it quickened Bible verses, it enhanced my understanding of my own book and destiny, it magnified my prophetic ministry to other people, and private intercession for other people in the council is something those same people can feel when you're with them. So this whole it adds a dimension to this whole standing in the gap thing. And um, it's, it's, I just recommend it. And, and my, uh, my own experience is my, my benchmark for the degree of difficulty. And, and here's my verdict. Anybody can do this that wants to. <laughs> Done. <laughs> 14. How do we uh, mentor tens of thousands of people who are hungry to be in God's courts, trading floors, and councils? Uh, more on that later. I have a, an answer, but I'm not going to take time to read it. Then uh, 15 is uh, we use Zoom calls and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's kind of a combination of you know uh, conferences, books, YouTube videos, plus some personal interaction to just do it practically. 
15. Can you provide some historic examples of exploits of seers and doers in the last 2,000 years? <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> and I'm, we're doing some research on that, but in, in the broadest sense, you know, Peter, Paul, John, a host of people in the Old Testament um, all experience this exact same phenomena. And the, the general mechanics of any kind of creativity centers around seeing and doing. Uh, so God doesn't always get the credit, but he seems to build his kingdom through both saved and unsaved people. So historically, innovation in leadership, politics, the arts, and science have always been from people connected with their own hearts and God's heart, and they have been visionary in the process. So they, they saw something, they went after it, and they brought it to earth. And uh, that's generally the dynamic of creativity in general. We're just adding some, some uh, meat to the bones so that uh, it's the normal thing for Christians to be involved in that. So this 16, where should I start? <clears throat> so here's my suggestion. Have the heart experience for yourself without getting too bogged down in the intellectual details or the recipes or the formulas. This is much better caught than taught. And so if you're hesitant, find someone credible and go with them until you are comfortable. Or, or go with me through the 30 sessions in the appendix of Seers and Doers. Just reading that stuff prayerfully uh, has an amazing impact. And also, Beverly uh, Watkins has a Metanoia Interactive Prayer Manual. So those links are all in the article of the chapter. And uh, it's a great resource for going to the courts and addressing generational issues. So the audio portion leads you through the prayer, and it's, a, it's alive. It's amazing what Beverly's done with that. It's like you and her are sitting alone in a room, and she's reading your heart and teaching you how to pray. So I recommend that. So uh, I've also listed uh, three books on courts and trading floors. One's Unlocking Destinies by Robert Henderson. Beverly just wrote a book called Trading Floors of Heaven, and I recommend that. And she also has the, the Metanoia Interactive Prayer Manual. I've given you links for that. The best book on the council uh, is Seers and Doers that I wrote. And the best books on the biblical basis for the theology behind the existence of a council are by Michael Heiser. Two books, The Unseen Realm and Reversing Herman. Those are amazing foundations. So um, as you have more questions or have better answers get in touch with me and we'll fix them we'll add the questions and the answers or fix the wrong answers